This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two, Sportsnet Today is underway. Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studios, a cracked foundation, our Boeing Foundation wall. The Doug Lacey's Basement Systems have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basementy. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books, all things Calgary Flames, Sweden edition. Ufe Bowden joined us, head of sports media for every sport group. Also checking in on the UFA, RFA situation around the league today. Gabe Velarde, Brett Howden signing new deals with their teams. Well, the Leafs and Ilya Samsonov have set numbers for their upcoming arbitration case. You can get that wherever you get your podcast. It'll be up shortly. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We're very excited to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline to kick off hour two. You know where you love her unless you're the text line. I'm just kidding, of course. I love her. She's the host of Hockey Central 960 from The Athletic. Very happy to have back on the airways here in Calgary. It's Haley Salvian. Hi, Hales. How are you? Hi. Uh, yeah, you know where you love her unless you're someone who's <laughs> listening to this radio station right now. <laughs> unless you're that one guy who texts in every Wednesday and has a problem with Haley being on the radio, you're yeah. really excited for this next segment. How are you? Yeah, that's right. Good, good. Thanks. How are you guys doing? We're doing really well. We thought it'd be a good time. Some to some things to talk about? Uh, you know, trying our best. Aaron's... <laughs> We talked about Aaron's air conditioning for a little while. And Cars out of the shop. His car in the shop. And we were going to get into Neopets a little bit later on, so we thought it would be a perfect time to bring you on. But then Taylor says, we, we can't spend 35 minutes with you. Haley's got other things to do than talk about uh, just random hockey topics with you bozos. So we got to get out of here soon. We do? No, not really. I think she just left. Understandable given the circumstance. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, like when 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 Taylor said we got to keep it short today, she meant really short. That was it. Hi bye. That was literally all the time we had with Haley. We tried. We got like four minutes in with each other, and then one with her, and that was that was all the time she had for us. Is, does that reflect on on you or me? Specifically? It's more me. I I started the conversation. You didn't have really much of a chance to get in, but as soon Certainly as we, wasn't interested as soon in my as AC, we started talking about that. your stuff, though, that's when she she disconnected, though. So, in in all fairness, I wasn't expecting a callback to those two <laughs> topics specifically, and I can understand where we lost everybody there. <laughs> it's so funny because, uh, of course, we would have technical difficulties with Haley because during the season when we were doing Hockey Central nine sixty. Uh, it's Haley's first year doing it, and we had just some of the strangest 
weird radio moments that I can I, ever remember. I've been here for seven years. No, the avalanche. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, I. That yeah. was a, that just happened. I've never done. I've never heard that in my life. We just picked up. I don't know some random satellite signal or. You mean that wasn't a guest talking about cabbage rolls? No, it wasn't. That's just something that happened on. That was those were noises that legitimately. If you're scared about your radio right now, those are legitimate noises that happened during Haley's show this year. So technical difficulties are nothing new to what we have when we have Haley on the air. Like those are just normal things, Hales. Right? Like some guy talking <laughs> about cabbage rolls. That's all. That's that's pretty much par for the course. I wanted to cancel the show that day because I thought there was something like really, you know, sinister going on. <laughs> I've done it for seven years and I've never had some. Like, I'm so spooked right now. I cannot go back on the air. Or Bono was snoring and we could pick up Bono snoring on Haley's mic. Yeah. Uh, there were we all sorts of great, <laughs> great memories from, from Haley's show. You've had a couple months off. What have you been? Uh, have you been following T Swift around the States? What's going on? You know what? I actually sold my Taylor Swift tickets after all of that. After finally getting Taylor Swift tickets no. while we were on the air, I sold them. Yeah. Did you get booted from the fan club for that? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I probably yeah. I once I realized where the seats were after the haze of buying them and obviously understanding it was a stadium show. Yeah. And then you convert the price from Canadian to American. It was probably like $1,000 to sit oh. on the opposite end zone at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. And I was like, oh. That's like 15 no, bucks I'm, a foot. No, I'm not going to be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably a good decision. Probably a safe I one. I really like Taylor Swift, but yes. that's so crazy. So <laughs> That was another great. I'm going to go to Disney instead. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, that'll be like $2,000 cheaper. Something overpriced. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. Yeah. Something will cost you or more children. money than, than before, right? So. <laughs> Uh, great to have you on. We always love chatting with you. And uh, look, you've been busy the last couple of weeks uh, covering this mm-hmm. story in, in women's hockey. And there's no one we'd rather chat with about this than you. Talk to us uh, about this this new women's hockey league that's coming here in, in, in 2024. We don't have a name for it yet, but it's been quite yeah. the process to get here. Can you kind of just give us the lowdown on what's happened the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. I mean, if you go back even the last couple of years, this has been kind of a long time coming. If you're someone who's followed women's hockey and, and everything that's been going on, I mean, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, which was the group of players that came together in 2019 after the fold of the Canadian Women's Hockey League, you know, they've been working since 2019, you know, several years to try to launch a new women's professional hockey league that could stand the test of time, a place for all the best players in the world to play in. And, you know, there's some stuff that's kind of happened over the last several weeks that, you know, are, you know, the most positive things. Like, for example, the shutdown of the PHS, there's going to be a lot of players who no longer have jobs, players whose salaries are going to get slashed. There's a lot of uncertainty right now in women's professional hockey. But when you look at just the fact that there's going to be a new league in January 2024 that's going to be run by owners with very, very deep pockets. Uh, Mark Walter is a billionaire, over $5 billion net worth on Forbes right now. Um, you know, he's got a really big business portfolio. He owns the LA Dodgers. He has ownership in Chelsea Football Club, in the Lakers, in the LA Sparks, and the WNBA. Um, he's also involved with Billie Jean King, Alana Kloss and Billie Jean King Enterprises. Stan Kasten, the president of the Dodgers, is involved as well. Like these are these are names and people with the kind of business backgrounds and 
pockets that we've never seen involved in women's professional hockey before. Um, there's a landmark eight-year collective bargaining agreement that's been signed before the league is even starting to operate. That's historic. There has never been a CBA in women's professional hockey, let alone ready before the season. There's actually never been a collective bargaining agreement ready before the start of a season in any women's pro sport. Um, I mean, it didn't technically it didn't happen for the NHL, NBA, MLB um, either, but that's because, you know, labor relations weren't really a, a huge thing when, you know, <laughs> the NHL is being launched, you know, years and years and years ago. Um, but, the, you know, it's, it's a watershed moment for the sport, um, but it's come with, again, a lot of uncertainty. The PHF um, is shut down. It ceased operations. Players had their contracts terminated. Um, you know, players were signing six-figure salaries and buying homes and moving to different cities, in some cases getting visas and moving to America from Finland or Hungary or wherever it may be. Um, and they're kind of uprooted. And now they're, you know, ones who are on visas have to go home. Um, and others are just waiting to see, you know, when's this new league going to be ready? Where are the teams going to be? Do I have a roster spot? How do I try out? How much money am I going to make? Can I keep my day job? Do I need to quit? Um, there's just so many questions for, for people on the PHF side that's made this a really difficult couple of weeks where it should be a really exciting time. The fact, again, that there is going to be this this great new league that's expected to come and be everything that these players on the PWHPA side have been hoping for. Um, but the timeline of events has been a lot. I would say that the main you know, piece of this or like the, ma- the main turning point was when the PWHPA started their formal business relationship with Mark Walter and Billie Jean King. That would have been in May of 2022. Um, They started their formal business relationship to explore the launch of a new league. They signed a letter of intent to work together. Um, By November of that year, Stan Kasten got involved, and that's when they started having discussions with the PHS about the shutdown of their league, like purchasing assets of their league for them to shut down. Um, So that's kind of what makes it, really tough to hear that players in the PHF had been signing these contracts when the owners of that league had been negotiating a potential shutdown of the league for, for over six months. But, you know, there's been a lot going on behind the scenes over the last six months, the last several years. And um, that's kind of got us to this point where we get the announcement that the PHF is shutting down operations and that a new league is going to be ready in January. Yeah, Haley, you kind of touched on it quite a bit there, but I'm curious from the player perspective, should they be frustrated or excited? Does it depend on a case-by-case mm-hmm. basis? Because you run through the PHF. They had just doubled the salary cap to, what was it, $1.5 yeah. million. The new league yeah. is going to have an average salary of $55,000, if I'm not mistaken, a minimum thirty-five. Mm-hmm. You mentioned players yeah. have moved, players have quit jobs, so on and so forth. What's, what's the feedback you're getting from players specifically? And you know what? The player feedback is that this is, what women's hockey needs. Like I spoke to, you know, over a dozen people for my most recent story on the athletic that came out last week, you know, looking at the uncertainty in these players lives and, you know, they're kind of operating in these kind of dual tracks, right? They're saying this personally, the timing sucks for me right now because I just bought a house after I signed a two-year contract to play for the Montreal force. But at the end of the day, I know that having one league with, money at the top for all the best players is what this sport needs 
to thrive in the long term. It's what they need for true longevity. Um, so there's players who are ultimately excited for the future of the sport, um, but there's players who are acknowledging like the future of the sport probably doesn't include me anymore. Like I'm not going to make the cut because if the league launches with six teams, with five teams, seven teams, like there's going to be people who just aren't going to make it. That's for the PHF side. That's for the PWHPA side. If this is truly going to be a best on best league, there are going to be people who are playing over the last couple of years who they're just, it's not going to be for them. And, and there's people who are grappling with, with that. Um, there's people who are gra- grappling with the fact that, Hey, I was supposed to make $190,000 over the next two years playing in the PHF. Uh, but now that I'm going to this new league, up against Mary Philippe Poulin and Hillary Knight and Kendall Coyne, um, Sarah Nurse, I'm probably only going to make 60 grand or 70 grand. Um, I'm going to make a minimum or an average salary. So people are uh, still, people are still very excited, at least the ones that I've spoken to. I think people are upset about the timing. I think they're upset about the fact that they were left in the dark. They're upset about the fact that they were able to start making these life plans. All the while they're, their leaders knew that this was happening. Again, these conversations were being had between the owners of the new league. So that would be, you know, Stan Caston and the owners of the PHF players on either side did not know. This was like a top level negotiation. They were NDA signed. Nobody could talk about it until it was done. And, and I asked John Boynton, who is one of the biggest financial backers, of the PHF over the last several years, he owns the Boston, Toronto and Montreal teams. And I just said like, why did you guys keep signing players? And he was like, the reality of mergers and acquisitions is the deal could have fallen through at any time. So we needed to be ready to operate a full season in 2023-24 in the event that this acquisition didn't work out. Um, If we'd been able to finalize the deal in February or March, we would have avoided a lot of the pain and uncertainty that players are going to be going through right now, but they just couldn't. And I think that's kind of the biggest part that the players are grappling with is, is the timing. It's not that it's happening. It's the way that it did. That being said, I do think there are some people who are upset about the fact that the PWHPA has essentially were the ones who split off and said, we don't want to play there. We're going to do our own thing. And then just eliminated the competition. I do think that there are, some fans and some players who are upset about this happening, but the ones that I have spoken to personally, um, despite everything that they're going through, they quit their day jobs, they bought houses, they rented apartments based on the salary they thought they were going to be making. Um, they understand, even though they're going through that, that this is this is going to be a good thing for the sport. You mentioned Stan Cast in there, Haley, and that's a guy that you and Sean mm-hmm. Gentilly did a Q&A with. Uh, for a piece on mm-hmm. The Athletic not all that long ago and, you know, dove into some of the topics about what this league needs to do over the next couple of months to get going. What were some of the biggest takeaways that you had in that conversation with Stan? Because he's got a lengthy, you know, executive background in all of this, but setting up a new league and going through this whole process is something that's new even to him, and he understands mm-hmm. there's going to be some pretty big things that they need to get done for this to to happen into 2024. Mm-hmm. So Stan Kasson, as you said, he's had more than 40 years as a sports executive. I mean, he was the GM 
um, in Atlanta with an NBA team. I mean, he was the president of the Atlanta Thrashers when they existed way back when in the late 90s, early 2000s. He is now the president of the L.A. Dodgers, and he's worked for a long time with Mark Walter, who Mark and his wife, Kimbra, um, who is a lawyer and a philanthropist, they're going to be the ones who are the main financial um, supporters of this league. So uh, Stan Kasten is going to be an important figure here. He's going to be on the board. He's going to be part of the leadership. Um, from that conversation, you know, we talked to him for probably 20 minutes on an episode of the Athletic Hockey Show. And as you mentioned, we had some of it on the Athletic as a bit of a Q&A. And the biggest takeaway is just how much needs to be done here. And this kind of feeds into some of that uncertainty. Like we don't even know the name of this league. Uh, We don't know how many teams they're going to be. We don't know what those teams are going to be called, where they're going to be, what the logos look like, where are they going to play? One of the really big questions is how are the player pools going to be figured out? You know, we know from talking to Stan and from the idea of what this league is going to be, it's a, league for all the best players in the world to play in so you know that's going to be players from Canada from the U.S. players who played in the PWHPA players who played in the PHF players who are in Europe right now they want to try to get all the best of the best so how do you do that do you just draft everybody like do you just have a you know an entry draft excuse me with with everybody do you have a draft for the best players and then open up free agency for the rest Um, you know, building those player pools, building the rosters, building the coaching staffs, the GM staff, hockey ops. There is a lot of work to be done. What does the relationship with the NHL look like? That was a really big takeaway. Um, You know, they have already had multiple conversations with Gary Bettman. Um, Gary Bettman is very, I guess, supportive of this, he's always been consistent that women's hockey to succeed needs to come together. He was never somebody who wanted the NHL or its teams to get involved into the the kind of division that nobody had his imprimatur is the word that he used when they asked him about this actually at the dome a couple of years ago when he did his, um, you know, when he kind of travels around the playoffs and, and does his Q and A's with, with media. And I asked him about women's hockey and, you know, would you let a team like the flames get involved with the PWHPA or the PHF right now? And he's like, teams don't have my imprimatur, which is his legal stamp of approval to get involved while everything's divided. He always thought that women's hockey needed to be unified for it to work. So um, he's really excited. Stan told us, um, you know, he, you know, I think they're going to have more conversations about what the relationship between the NHL and, and women's pro hockey looks like. Obviously, the way that people looked at it before was, well, it should be a WNHL, like the WNBA and NBA, but this is unique in the sense of it's not NHL owners, it's not the NHL who owns this entity, it's it's Mark and Kimber Walter. So that was a big takeaway as well is, you know, they're, they have a blank piece of paper and they can kind of make this whatever they want in terms of teams, team locations, relationship with the NHL, relationship with NHL franchises. So there's there's a lot to be done, but again, I've never, I've covered women's hockey since 2018. Um, I've written stories about the tried and failed attempts at making this work over the last two decades. Um, you know, Jaina Hefford, Haley Wickenheiser, you know, they didn't make a dollar playing women's professional hockey in their careers. Um, these are hockey hall of famers. These are icons of the sport. Um, never got paid. They never really even 
got a chance to play truly pro women's hockey. So, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. I think there's some things, again, like the uncertainty that, that aren't great right now, but this should be a really exciting time once we can start getting some of these answers and looking ahead at, you know, I'm really excited to go to a, you know, a game in Toronto and watch Sarah Nurse and Natalie Spooner or whatever it may be. Um, there's just still a lot of questions and a lot of work to be done before we can start really getting excited about it. Understandably, one of the biggest reasons for excitement will be that this should add stability to the women's game long term. And you touched on it. Is it the uncertainty is sort of the only reason to give cause for pause at all? There's so many details left to sort of be discovered in this. Yeah, I would say so. I think it's the uncertainty. People don't know. You know, I think there's a lot of people who have covered or watched the PHF who are really upset about some of the brands that might no longer exist. So I haven't been able to confirm because the details of the sale are confidential. Um, But part of this deal was that the new league purchased certain assets of the Premier Hockey Federation. So whether that's um, name, image, and likeness or intellectual property of certain teams, certain logos, um, certain access to venues, things like that. Um, They didn't buy everything. They just bought some, and they won't divulge what pieces there were. So I think there's people who are upset about, you know, maybe they're not being a Boston Pride or a Minnesota Whitecaps, things like that. Um, And also just the cutting of the player pool. I think if this league starts small, which I believe that it will, um, you know, an original six or whatever that may be. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of players who no longer have a place to play in North America. And I think that's something that people are, are grappling with right now. Um, but again, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Um, you know, the fact that there's a CBA, I know the roster or the, um, the salaries don't look great on paper, 35,000 minimum salary. That's not a livable salary. And, and most, cities in North America. Um, but I would say after reading through the CBA, I mean, it's a huge document, 62 pages. There's a lot of stuff in here and there's a lot of different extra compensation, compensation pieces that make those salaries more livable per diems on the road, um, housing stipends per month, 1500 USD per month, just for, just for housing. Um, you know, there's, there's compensation bonuses, there's benefits packages, there's 401k programs, like more stuff available to women's professional hockey players than there ever has been. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to be excited about. And I think the fact that this was a player-driven document, like that there was a player um, bargaining committee, essentially. It was Kendall Coyne Schofield, who was pregnant at the time. She just gave birth to her first baby on July 1st. So, you know, there's pregnant Kendall Coyne Schofield, you know, banging at the bargaining table against Stan Cast and Billie Jean King, <laughs> trying to get the best salaries possible for women. Um, Sarah Nurse was there. Uh, Brianne Jenner, Liz Knox, Hillary Knight were all part of this committee. And I think, you know, just you have some of the best players in the world just really going to bat for what, you know, women's hockey players deserve. And, you know, they had Mark Walter and Stan Caston, Billie Jean King on the other side of the table saying like, yep, absolutely. This is something that you guys deserve too. I, I talked to some of the players about this and there were some things where they were being like, well, we think we really need this. Like this is a non-negotiable. This is very important. Things like we want a locker room. Billie Jean King and Stan Castor are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, we want food after games. They're like, yeah, of course we'll give you that. And they're just like, oh, because these are 
not things that they've always had, yeah. especially not when they were playing in the CWHL or early days of the NWHL. So there's a lot to be excited about. I think, again, it's just we got to wait and see what it all looks like. It's easier to be excited about something when you know what it is. Right now, everyone's just kind of imagining. And, you know, if you're someone who was really attached to the PHF, it's probably a hard thing to digest right now, being like, well, I loved going to Toronto Six games. I loved the Boston pride, what is that going to look like now? And who am I going to be able to watch? Um, so I think it's, it's all complicated. I think the fact that both announcements happened at the same time created a lot of confusion being like, so is this a merger? You know, what's, what's going on here? Is this good? Is this bad? I think things could have been done a little bit better. Um, but again, once we kind of move forward and we see, this new league with all the best players and the kind of resources and benefits and, and things that these players have that they never have had access to before. I think it's going to be a really exciting time for the sport. Haley, you're the best. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Really do appreciate you. It's so much information there on, on everything going on with this league. And I know me and Aaron are, are equally hopeful that this is yeah. a, a good turning point for women's hockey. And then hopefully the next time we, we dive into this topic with you, we've got some more solid, you know, uh, teams and, and different pictures to look at. But thanks for doing this today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Enjoy Disneyland. Uh, and we'll <laughs> chat with you again sometime soon, hey? Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Bye, Haley. Haley Salvian joining us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, Hockey Central 960. You know her from The Athletic. She covers all things women ho- women's hockey and NHL for The Athletic and uh, literally the perfect guest to bring yeah. on about that because – uh, as you and me were just going, just going to okay, check that off because Haley's covered that. Gonna check that off because Haley's covered that. And I, I don't know what else you could want in just over 20 minutes from Haley uh, to know about that league that she didn't just present to you. The only things I want to know are things that we collectively don't know and she doesn't know because the league hasn't. Like We don't even have a league name. We no. don't have how front offices are going to work. As Haley mentioned, the entry draft process is going to be that. Is it going to be a free market? Like how, yeah, how, how are things, happen, how right? are rosters going to be constructed from the hop? I'm super curious to know yeah, basically like does, how, how this league forms from a player development standpoint. Does everybody get to just go right up to Marie Philippe Poulin and say, this is our offer. Like come sign with us or well, then the interesting thing too, is, is if you're constructing a, a roster though, your salaries have to average 55,000. Yeah. So you can go after one or two big stars, but then you've got to, but there's still the, the minimum. There's yeah. still the minimum salary of 35,000 as Haley mentions. So if you do a free market, really curious, if you do a draft, draft. scenario or, I don't know. You do snake draft. Yeah, or do if you you're... fantasy draft it like you do yeah. in, in the video games, right? Where you just put everyone in a pool and say, have at it. We're going to snake draft this thing. And everybody I, that would be great picks. for ratings. I bet that would be good for Holy buzz. Would that be interesting then to again, follow along live with? And if you have a new name dropping every day or every couple of hours of this person signed there, like they can smash this out of the park and, and really set the tone in the right way. I'm just curious what that right way is. Uh, thanks again to Haley for joining us. Really appreciate that uh, great conversation with her. We'll take a break, though. Come back on the other side. We've got to continue our UFA list. We're checking out on the UFA defense in class, still remaining for NHL free agents. We will dive into that when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, so Tuesday on the program, Aaron Vickers and myself took you through the top remaining free agent forwards in the NHL. And I think, Aaron, it was fair to say 
that list was underwhelming. Respectfully. With all due, due respect. respect. And we continue today into the D group. And I is that the grade or the position? It might be both. I don't want to get your hopes up if you're listening live or on the podcast, but as we go through these categories, I don't know that the word changes much from yesterday's word being underwhelming. Most of the look by this point in the year, most of the top options have signed. That's pretty basic, but usually a couple weeks in July, there's still a couple of, I don't know if game changer is the right word, but I'll say impact pieces. I don't know how many of those there are at any of these positions. And we talked yesterday in the forward group. Okay. Vlad Tarasenko is an interesting piece out there. What does Patrick Kane look like if he comes back? Bergeron and Krejci, they feel like Boston or bust kind of teams. What's a word that you would use to characterize the D group that we're just about to talk about here? Oh, man, I was not prepared for that. Um, That's more than one word. That is factually correct. I will I will heed you that. <laughs> I don't even have, I'm like, reclamation? No, not much. Uh, it's just, it exists. How about that? How's, the the D pool exists. How's, meh. I thought about that, but I mean, I don't want to. Uh, it's a... Uh... You're not wrong. Would uh, mid work? Oh, no. Depends on what age group you feel fall into there, Taylor. I, some. I learned earlier today that uh, that logo here is my translator from one generation to the next. It's it's pretty mid, Aaron. No cap. No cap? That's that's a new one. Points for that one. Right? That's that's a proper... Yeah, yeah. It's a proper Gen Z... I think I have a segment lined up for tomorrow. <laughs> Terminology. Oh, no. Get Vickers up to date on the kids these days. Old man yells at Cloud. I don't yell. That means what? YOLO. What does that mean? YOLO. In the computer? YOLO. These defensemen are mid, yo. No cap, (laughs) homie. Straight straight cash. I disagree. There is very much a cap. Oh. And the Calgary Flames are up against it. No, that's a different cap. Oh, oh. You don't want to be on this cap. If you're cap, you're... I don't, I don't know, but you you don't want to be Cap. Like when Steinberg comes in, he's like, Yo, Cap you're, means lying. You're, you're, you're Cap, man. What's the origin behind Cap if it means you're lying? It's like a ball cap. No. I don't know. I'm just screwing with you here. I don't know. Are you guys making it's up words? It's all confusing to me. Text line 960-960. Are they messing with me right now? Please send in text immediately. <laughs> Gen Z is confusing. They just send pictures of pandas and... Where am I? And squirrels and raccoons and frogs and you just get very uncomfortable about yourself. Hey, we got to turn this back to what we were talking about though. So this is, as Taylor would say, mid. Yeah. No cap, yo. However. However. The name at the top of my list is not is a, mid. Is a guy I would be very interested in bringing home. Where are you on Matt Dumba? Unrestricted free agent Matt Dumba had 14 points in 79 games for the Minnesota Wild last year. $6 million contract has expired. Now, I say this. Calgary Flames blue line, as it stands, Wednesday, July 19th, is set. Sure. Is it set 
Thursday, July 20th. Who knows? Is it set September 15th? Ballparking when training camp's going to open? We don't know. But as it stands today, the Calgary Flames don't have any cap space to really play with. Don't have really a spot on the blue line that is vacant. But if you subtracted, oh, I don't know, 4.95 million in cap obligations, just ballparking a number Mm. off the top of my head, then suddenly you might have a roster spot to fill and some money to do it. So I ask you this, Logan Gordon, would you look at the former Calgary Bronx U15 AAA defenseman, the Edge School Mountaineers alum, Matt Dumba? Uh, My answer is no. And I have a very specific reason as to why it's a no, and it's it's nothing against the player. Okay, I actually I think, think he's I, a good fit. I think I know where you're going, but the floor is yours. It's the it's the exact opposite of the forward group conundrum. And it's I, if he was a left shot, I'd be on it all day. Okay. But they have too many right shots as it is, and I think it's going to force Mackenzie Weger to at least start the season on his left side again. And I, I want to try to find room for him on his right, given how good he was at the world championships for Canada and how he looked in the second half of the season with the Calgary flames. I think this is a guy that really does have top pairing type of stuff. And I think given the fact, and look, don't take for a granted a guy that can play both sides um, because it's extremely tough. It's not as easy as people make it. It's much different than playing the wing uh, left or right, being able to play both sides of D as a right shot or a left shot is is very tough, especially on penalty kill and power play time that Mackenzie Weger sees. That's the only hesitation I have. I like the age range of 28. Yep. I like that he's a Calgary guy. I yep. think what he brings fits this team um, in a nice way, given what may or may not happen to this decor going forward. And, and look, even the potential of it, it doesn't fit right now with their cap structure, but... Zdorov and, and Tanev are guys that are pending UFAs as well. Would it hurt to see Matt Dumba around for two or three years here in Calgary? No, probably not. It's just right now the depth of their D is on the right side and you're forcing one of your better players to switch that side right now. It's just it's one too many for me to, to think that that's a, a good idea. Okay, so before we take this step further, I want to take a step back because as constructed today, again, July 19th, I think you head into training camp with Uyghur Anderson as a pair, Hannah Fintanev as a pair, Zadorov Shillington as a pair, and then Jordan Osterley as your seven. So if you were to hypothetically lose a left-shot defenseman in your middle pair, i.e. Noah Hannafin, you're right in the fact that all of a sudden you have four right shots and two left shots in your regular rotation. And I understand that being your hesitation, but couldn't you also... Just still go Uyghur Anderson, righty, righty. It depends a lot on where Oliver Shillington is, and we heard from Ufe Bowden earlier about, well, certainly conditioning is not going to be a problem when Shillington gets back to Calgary, but could you go Shillington Tanev, lefty, righty, and then Zadorov Dumba? That's my initial. If I was writing down names today, and I've seen plenty of people doing that on hockey Twitter and Flames Twitter right now, is just going through... If the roster started, that's where I would go. Okay. Is is I would go, because that to me makes the most sense for Shillington coming back. I think, A, it's the safest landing spot for him. And it's right. where we saw him at his best is with Chris Tanev. So I would, 
I would reunite that pairing myself, give you a lefty-righty there, and then put Hannafin with Zadorov if that's if 55 is here to start training camp. That's yeah. how I would go, because I think your two best defensemen need to be together. I think that's Uyghur and Anderson. I think, uh, you know, the questions around Oliver Shillington are, are interesting, and it'll be one to watch. I just I do think, just you know, even with Ufe saying he's training hard and all that, I still think putting him in the, the best possible spot to succeed. And Chris Tanev plays extremely well with puck-moving defensemen. The puck-moving defensemen play really well with Chris Tanev. Everybody plays well with Chris Tanev. Except for Nikita Zadorov. That's true. That pairing didn't really work, but that's the anomaly in all of it. The exception Hannafin, to the rule. Yeah. Hannafin Tanev works. Uh, I, I could see Shillington Zadorov working as a pairing. I just I, I think if you want to talk about Oliver getting back to that spot that he was when we saw him last in Calgary, to me that's with Chris Tanev. So that's where I would go and Again, even in that scenario, I'm I'm forcing a guy to play the left side that I'd rather have on the right. When you look at the list of defensemen still available, unrestricted free agent, I mean, there are a couple of restricted free agents that, yeah, might look pretty interesting. Vince Dunn, who had <laughs> quietly had somehow quietly had 64 points in 81 games while playing almost 24 minutes in Seattle. I don't know if I was just oblivious to it or if he was one of those best-kept secret type candidates. He's a restricted free agent. Again, 26 years old. He's not necessarily going to be on the table. Evan Bouchard up in Edmonton, probably not going to be on the table. Kalen Addison even going back to Minnesota. He didn't play near as much as as some of the others. But again, he's not necessarily going to be a guy coming off his entry-level deal that's going to be a reasonable kind of snap-up situation. So in terms of unrestricted free agents only, anybody else other than Matt Dumba you even entertain? Uh... I don't mind the idea of I thought about a guy like uh, you know Ethan Bear was a guy that had came to mind when uh, it found out that uh, Vancouver was going to be bringing him back he's going to be a later season option after dealing with that shoulder surgery so you take a bit of a risk there but again right shot going to the flames it's a it's a right shot sort of thing um that that's going to hold you back on that one. I have no interest personally in, in Tony D'Angelo. I'm um, I'm of the same kind of mind as you, and if, he's, if he's worth mentioning. Yeah, but yeah, if Carolina feels that they can get the best out of him and want to go down that road, be my guest. He's been a uh, locker room issue everywhere he's gone. Uh, he lasted four years in New York before punching a goalie in the face, and they got rid of him. And then he went to Philly and was. Absolutely awful. Didn't get along with the coach and is now a free agent again. And Carolina hasn't signed him yet. So I, I don't know what's going on with Tony D'Angelo. And then you're really, I mean, you're talking about some interesting veterans. I mean, is Nick Holden a guy you're interested in? He's 36. He's from St. Albert. So he's got some Alberta connections. He's a former Sen, uh, former Golden Knight, a really good stay at home kind of guy. If he was, if you if you traded Noah Hannafin and didn't get a six in return or another defenseman in return in that deal, would you go out to Nick Holden and say, "Hey, we've got a spot on the left side of our third pairing. Would you be interested in that?" He played sixty five games last year. I think I'd still go Jordan Osterley on that. I think I'd go internal, and you might need to bring in somebody to be your new seven. But I don't know if necessarily that's the route. And I'm even looking at a guy like Caleb Jones who played 19 minutes a night in Chicago last season at 16 points in 73 games. 
don't look at the plus minus. It was Chicago. Plus minus isn't the end all be all. We can light up the text line on that one if you if you really want. I just do you almost look at Nikita Zadorov and go, what do we need for him specifically more so than what's available? And if you could tailor a guy's strengths to what Nikita Zadorov needs to thrive, do you look at it that way? Like do you try to find a number six or do you try to find a partner for Nikita Zadorov? I guess it depends on what you're doing with Nikita. That's Are true you- too. You know, are you open? Are you, is he going to be one of the guys you walk into the season with as a UFA and say, once we get to trade deadline, we'll make our decision there? Is he a guy that I, I think from all reports, Nikita's been one of the guys most upfront that he's loved his time in Calgary, uh, was wanted to sign a contract extension here. Um, that's hasn't obviously happened yet. So I guess, uh, you know, Nikita and Nikita's best season came with, with a guy like Eric Branson, right? So is there another calm stay at home defensive presence that lets Nikita lets wander Nikita a little do bit do his thing a little bit more that that the because that's to me when he was at his best as a member of the Calgary Flames is when he wasn't actually the guy used and that's what you know worries me in Oliver Shillington pairing with him is Nikita likes to have those moments where he's always you know, Nikita's always rushing up the ice What's I call him a right freelancer now? because as soon as he gets the puck and he's going he's just or maybe even like a little bit he Russian, plays jazz he plays jazz Russian Bobby Orr moments in him every now and then where he's he's skating up the ice and that year with with good Branson just showed to me what he can be at his best he's grown a lot in his time here in Calgary I was not a fan when he initially was brought in but he's proved me wrong time and time again he still has those moments but everybody does if I was going to do it, I would only invest in somebody for a year or two and pass that. I mean, if you're a 5-6 on a team, you're going to be asked to be versatile with your partner. Yeah. Right? That's It's just it's going to happen because you know when the first guy goes out, maybe you're not the guy that gets pushed up the lineup or you're going to be the guy that has to come in because they're not going to pair Mackenzie Weger or Rasmus Anderson with the new guy coming to the lineup. It's probably going to be you. So... And I mean, I don't know. Does anybody out there strike you as the Eric Goodbranson type? No, not that sits out there right now. Not really. Well, and and to be fair, I'm going to preface that by saying, if you're doing your job properly and you're an Eric Goodbranson type, I'm not going to see you because your job is to clear the do do the stuff that doesn't get the glory. You're going to clear the net. You're going to be hard along the boards, high and hard off the glass. That sort of approach. So that doesn't necessarily get seen to the extent of, oh, this visiting team here from the Eastern Conference is here once a year. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Did you really get a good look at Player X? Yeah, it's like, I, you know, I don't no. have, I'm not, I'm not bringing in Jordy Ben to, to you know, fit that role with, with Nikita Zadorov. You know, are there, there's a couple of interesting young options out there similar to what we had in the forward conversation where I was talking about Max Comtois and... Um, Mason Shaw has got, you know, Cal Foote's Cal a guy Foot. that, that intrigues me. He played so, 50 games last year. I'm happy you brought him up because I was looking at him and I was wondering if it was going to be you or if it was going to be me because he's the right shot defenseman that quote unquote teams covet, not necessarily Calgary fans because they've got a plethora of them right now, but he's young, right shot, NHL pedigree being the son of Adam Foote. First round draft pedigree. First round too. draft pedigree. Good size was lauded in his draft year for his two-way play, has the shot, yet the Nashville Predators don't qualify him. 
the Nashville Predators of all teams. And when I say all teams, it's they've they've done a lot of curious things this offseason. But what did the Nashville Predators see in their brief audition with Cal Foot that made them not qualify him at what was his QO, like eight hundred and fifty thousand or nine hundred and fifty thousand? So it's not like it was a three point two million dollar scenario that they had to walk away from. Play no, twenty four games. And he was the only player in that actual Jeannot swap. Right. The rest were picks. So he was clearly a guy that the Predators said, we want to take a look at him and we'll go through these picks. And after 24 games, one goal, three assists for four points, averaging 16-ish minutes, somewhere in there, 15 minutes. I wonder what they know. I wonder what they saw to get them to the point that they didn't qualify him. And if I wanted to to dummy it down to this point, it's not an exact in out, and I don't think that they they've reached different levels in their role. But you just lost a guy to waivers early last season that had a first round pedigree in your organization. Could you bring one back? I see what and, you're doing there, and try to to be the reclamation project. There's lots of spaces open on the the D side of things for the Calgary Wranglers. There's plenty of opportunity. If he was willing to accept a two-way deal to come to Calgary and you know be a top-pairing guy there and be a guy that maybe the Flames say, hey, look, when we get a chance, you're first on the list to, to come up. You'll get lots of views here in Calgary. You'll certainly be in front of management night in, night right? out. I would imagine that's an, an interesting proposal, at least. It's one that I think is... There's not a lot of those other young guys out there that I'm, I, I think I'm... Itching to get a, a look at uh, in this in this D class. Um, I don't know. Does I mean Caleb Jones? He's twenty six already. Libor Hijack is that a guy that that gets you excited? Former Ranger, former Simone Benoit, maybe out of Anaheim. Twenty four again, young. Again, don't look at the plus minus minus twenty nine. He was playing for the Anaheim Ducks. Not necessarily a fruitful environment, I would say, for a, for a defenseman of his Sure, ilk. but and again, it goes back to your, your same question that you had with, with foot, right? If you're a young player on a team that needs defensemen, why didn't Anaheim just keep you? Right? They're a I don't believe they're team. blessed with a lot of I don't. Uh, they've got some good talent. pieces. Jamie Drysdale's coming, and they've got a couple other guys, but exactly, if you were in desperate need, doesn't a 24-year-old who played 78 games for you last year Seem like the kind of guy you'd want to keep around. There has to be more to the... 131 games over the previous two seasons. Yeah. Uh, so that's a uh, look at the free agent D class. Uh, we'll go into goalies on Friday, but quickly before we get out of here this hour, uh, the text line is always open to you, 960-960. Uh, this text says, Old Man Vickers uses the words rad and tubular. I've been stewing on that text for a little bit here. I'm trying to come up with a witty old man response and... I'm gonna have to consult have to my for a bit. my pro- excellent, outstanding producers in the other room to come back with a little quip that might resonate with the kids these days. Uh, this text says, "I'd move Zadorov out and bring Dumba in." Tanev is injury prone. Dumba would be a great insurance policy. Uh, this text just says Poirier. I'm assuming they're meaning Jeremy Poirier. Naughty Mill. I don't think so, but they might be. 
Okay. We I would, might need some classification on that, but or some clarification. On Jeremy's perspective, I think he does need more seasoning in the NHL. He made great strides in his two-way play, was drafted as one of the elite offensive defensemen in his draft class, needs to round out the 200-foot, again, made strides. I wonder if there are a few more strides to be made maybe before he gets that look. Uh, and then this text says, wasn't last year uh, Z's best year? Goal-wise, it sure was. Only positive vibes. Um, yeah, I'd say goal-wise, he definitely exploded last year, but I think defensively, his best season with the Calgary Flames came with Erica Branson. That's my, just, just I, my I opinion. I thought his first half of the 2022-23 season was the best I've seen out of him, but I think that that tailed off the further along the season went, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, NHL career high, 14 goals. His previous high was seven uh, which he had scored twice with the Colorado Avalanche. 21 points was one off his NHL career high set in 2021-22. So, guess well, he was he was one of the guys that exit interviews that was absolutely glowing about Calgary. Yep, and that's not going to be lost on Craig Conroy and, and company. Uh, that's for sure. We got to get out of here though. We're uh, closing out hour two. He's Aaron Vickers. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. When we come back. Uh, we're going to get you it's gonna be a CFL heavy hour because we got a stamps report coming with Patrick Dumas. We'll hear from head coach Dave Dickinson, who joined the guys on the morning show a little bit earlier on today as they get set to take on the Ottawa Red Blacks on Sunday. Taylor's got your Jays report, but we'll also uh, chat with Stampeders wide receiver coach Nick Lewis. That as hour three gets underway. It's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.